Celtic Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. Justin Poulin here along with John Duke, and we're going to be talking post-All-Star break. Pick me up with the Celtics. That's right, two in a row on a second night of a back-to-back. Of course, it was against the New York Knicks, and uh, they were without Kristaps Porzingis. Maybe a little bit closer than you'd like, but still... To win two in a row coming out of the All-Star break. Marcus Smart, after a four-week break, seems to have his legs back anyway. (laughs) Enough that he throws down two dunks in the game. Definitely a surprise to me. I think it was a surprise to everybody in the Celtics universe. We'll get to Marcus Smart and more in this episode of Celtics Stuff Live. John and I did take a break uh, with the All-Stars ourselves. And I'll be honest with you, John, as we wrap up the... uh, Maybe we just tidy up our absence and talk a little bit about the All-Star break. I've said this year after year. I'm just not a big fan, and I'll be 100% honest with you. I didn't watch a lick of it. Yeah, and, and, and of course, as we talk about every year, I do. <laughs> I watch all of it. I love it. Um, it, it because We've been it's not down this game. road several times right. together. It's this not is, about this the is like shampoo in your hair. This is wash, rinse, and repeat every season. Right. I watch that's, more March Madness than I do All Star Break. Absolutely, yeah, and and that's that's fine. You know, I think that each is it's not real basketball, you know, but it's uh, it's it's you know kind of empty calories. It's eating. It's cotton candy. You know, it's. You know, it's for some people, cotton candy is too sweet. For some people, it's just it's perfect, you know. And not that I'm a cotton candy fan, but I'm an all-star game fan. You know, so the whole, you know, pomp and circumstance of it all, I'm good with it. I like it. Uh, I like the little contests. Uh, I kind of get annoyed with, you know, some things, but I don't, you know, try to hold them too true and be like, well, this dunk contest was better than that dunk contest. Don't Um, you feel like Twitter brings you up enough to speed? I mean, don't you feel like you can get it all in 30 minutes the next morning after each evening of All-Star break and just look on Twitter? I mean, like, listen, I saw all the Jalen Brown highlights. I saw all the dunks. I saw all the lack of defense. I saw between the legs and slam. I really don't feel like I missed anything just hooking up to Twitter for 30 minutes the next morning, sipping on a cup of coffee and moving along with my day. Maybe, maybe there's nostalgia in it for me as being a kid and watching it and, and, you know, birds, you know, three point contest wins and, you know, you know, Dominique and Jordan and Chicago Steve in 88. I mean, maybe that's part of it, what it is for me, but, um, you know, I, I like watching it with my kids. My kids like it. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a really easily accessible situation for kids to watch and all the stars are there. And so, you know, it, it's fun. It's nothing more than that. Um, and, you know, this year the game became somewhat entertaining again, which is kind of nice. And there was defense and, and they were trying. And so I, th- I thought it was all in all, I thought it was a successful weekend for the NBA. It was good for the NBA brand. If, if you care about such things, but I think overall it was something that was a positive for the NBA, and that's and overall that's a good thing. I think. Do you think most basketball fans watch the All Star break? And I, and I don't just mean guys like you and I that like have been covering it. And it <laughs> no, no, because back in the day I watched it when we first started this show. I watched the All Star yeah. break. It just seemed like the same thing every year for me at a certain point, and. Really, the slam dunk contest was what hooked me as a kid. 
and that really lost its luster for me several several years ago but but i just mean in general uh, do do the people following Celtic stuff live on twitter or hanging out with the clns media i want to say uh, organization you know the the big twitterverse yeah. that that uh, largely controls the Celtics Twitterverse in so many ways, right? I mean, there's a lot of Celtics content on the network. Yeah. Do the people yeah. who 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 follow all of us that follow the Celtics that hang out? Do you think they're all heavy All Star game watchers or All Star festivity watchers? I think I think any basketball they're they're into. Um, you know, Celtics Twitter, weird Celtics Twitter, is as was really well described by. By uh, you know, the Rain and Jays podcast with Mick Coley last week, they did a great job talking about weird Celtics Twitter. The, those folks will watch anything, and some of it may be incomprehensible to to many of us. But uh, I think that I think they are. I think they'll they'll consume it in some way, and it's better than than watching some other things that are out there. And quite frankly, what are your options right now? You're going to watch, you know, pairs ice dancing. Uh, you know, you're gonna watch, uh, probably what, curling, you know? curling, right? I mean, yeah. all right, so I'm with you. I'm not a big yeah. Olympics fan on either end of it either. Like, I'm, right. That, I, so maybe that's just me. Poo poo, poo poo, you know, but <laughs> I just, teach his own, teach his own. I, mean, I, I, I like a little bit of the tricks, you know, I like a little bit of the half pipe. Yeah. I can tune into the half pipe snowboarding and whatever. And like I said, I, it's not that I'm um, 100% disinterested in the outcome. It's just the hours you have to put in, and a lot of it's just talking head. You know what I mean? That's yeah. that's kind of yeah. my thing. Yeah. I, I, I Yeah, no, I, I see a lot of it, and it's a lot of just silliness. It's basically, you know, uh, over a weekend, it's about eight hours of shacked and a fool. You know, that's basically – and that's okay. I <laughs> – it, it really is. You know, if you can watch inside the NBA, you know, or it's, you know, less interesting cousin, uh, players only on NBA TV, then, you know, it's all right. But no, I, look, it's, it's what it is. It, it has, it serves its purpose. It's a, it's a good entry for people who are casual fans or, um, you know, kind of your point, I think, which is, you know, diehard fans really consuming this as much as casual fans. Probably not to that degree, but if it's going on in the NBA universe, you know, you almost have to to know what's going on with the league. And, you know, you look at last year where, you know, you saw Boogie Cousins got traded over the course of the All-Star game. You know, these things happen and it's just, you have to be a part of it in some way. And being on Twitter is nice. And like you said, you can consume it in your own bites, but doing it in real time, there's something to be said for that. And the NBA is one of the few places where not only is it happening on the screen, but it's also happening on your laptop or, or your phone or iPad or whatever. John gives it two thumbs up. All right. You can two follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke. The entire CLNS Media Network is at CLNS Media the Facebook page, facebook.com slash CLNS fans. Don't forget to download the CLNS Media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Media in your app marketplace. And finally, the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash CLNS Media for high-definition, full-length locker room interviews, the garden report, the round table. I really love the CLNS Media studios with the backdrop of Boston right behind the large glass windows. That's looking pretty sweet, John. 
Yeah, you know, I'm I'm waiting to put the addition on here where you all can see. Well, not the city of Boston. Nothing. We're actually never mind. Scrap. We can do anything with my background. It's just green screen. You can just you can put anything in behind me. If they Good use point. this for the video clip on YouTube tomorrow, uh, it'll also they'll probably put something wacky in there. But anyway, um, speaking of wacky, the Marcus Smart experience has been about as wacky as it can possibly get. So, I mean. You know, the last two episodes heading into the All-Star break, I finally turned on our boy. You and I, staunch Marcus Smart apologists. We were constantly defending him. And he leaves. The defense goes to absolute pot. And then at the same time, he comes back. And the defense is back up, but also seriously his ups. Those two dunks that we kind of led into the show with, those two dunks were a surprise. A hundred, I mean, one... Obviously, the lane was completely wide open. Wasn't a lot of defense being played to guard against it. But he takes five shots. He makes four of them. That's also very un-Marcus Smart-like. Two dunks, very un-Marcus Smart-like. And then the very common uh, theme for Marcus that we do always see is his defense. So it's good to have him back. I guess I'm, I got to say I'm glad that they didn't trade him now that they went into that skid without him and we see how much he's needed for the postseason. Still isn't going to do a lot to cure the lack of scoring on the second unit, though, even because really what we want to see is efficient Marcus Smart. Yeah, and, and I would also say turning on them is – I think that's – I think you're being a bit harsh on yourself and on us because – we weren't turning on him. It's not like we thought he was worthless and joining the. I advocated the trading him with yeah, but, a first round but, pick. But that's different. Well, okay, yeah, that was ridiculous. But <laughs> I think I think well, right with the first round pick. See, that's the difference. Is things got twisted a little bit, and, and it was it became well, Marcus Smart for a first round pick. That's not really what was being discussed. It was Marcus Smart. If to get back a first round pick and a rotation player and knowing Danny Age more and more and more and more on top of that. So that was really what now, the, what the now, deal was. I was definitely taking a first round pick, putting it with okay. Marcus Smart right. and sending him All off. Right. All right. I you, was very <laughs> down on the hissy fit in the hotel room. I'm not trying to take you down with me. It's not like I'm not you going know, you. Exactly. It's not like I'm saying, oh, I'm falling off the cliff and I'm like, John, lend me a hand. <laughs> then I just yank you down with me. I'll I'll let us I'll let us have a clear divide here. I definitely but I did. I soured on him. That's just what happened. You did. To the point of not being you objective. Did. I definitely wasn't being objective. Uh I got my you know, I, I, I got it handed to me a little bit on Twitter from some of our loyal listeners who, in retrospect, were 100% correct. No way would we need to be throwing in a first-round pick with Marcus Smart for Tyreek Evans. If they were going to do that deal, it's sort of a change of scenery for both. They, you know, wore out their welcome, didn't like their chances to re-sign, and uh, wanted to shuffle the deck for the offseason potentially and just having first rights um, to try to, to lock somebody up. So, right. th- but I was throwing in a first round pick. I wanted scoring for that second unit. I still think we need it. Yeah. But, but, you know, yeah. most of my motivation was because I had, I, and maybe I felt betrayed. Maybe I felt like I defended this guy. And you know what? This conversation right now, if he had put a piece of glass through some ligaments, would be a very different conversation. Let's also, you know, probably centimeters away from us both still being sour and continuing to sour because he wasn't traded and he can't play. 
Well, I, I okay, so, and maybe that's where the divide is because I don't. To me, like the injury, I was looking at it from the perspective of okay, maybe you can't re-sign him. Maybe he's not, or or you could re-sign him, but but the in a normal world you could re-sign a player like him, but his agent just isn't playing ball. You know, and I think maybe that was kind of the angle I was looking at. Is like, well, if you can't re-sign him, and he's still looking for seventeen million. He's not coming back here, no matter what you do. So you, you know, kind of cut your losses now. Hopefully, he's seeing what Lou Williams is signing for, what others are probably going to get this summer, and realizing I'm going to be on the other side of ten million, not on the other side as as I expected. So, look, you're right, though. I mean, that if he had. We got lucky, really, out of it. But the nice thing out of it, he got a break, and we saw the bounce that that he that he can provide in his legs. It does make it probably cause in a question. I think perhaps for for me, you know, does does Smart's minutes need to be limited more so? Does he work so hard when he's out there that maybe he's playing too many minutes because that kind of extra bounce and that ability to drive and get to the bucket. Boy, it, that makes his game kind of look completely different, uh, especially against the Knicks, but but even against Detroit as well. If he's got that balance in him, he becomes a different player offensively. I'm just wondering, maybe maybe you know what Brad needs to do is kind of ratchet those minutes back. <laughs> as a 23, Shorter 24 stints. year old, I hate to say that, but maybe that's what they need to do so that but way he he's is, able to be who he can be. He is a 100. percent you know, he's a 110%er on the floor every minute he's out there. It's part of the value. There's a lot to what you're saying there. Players in the league have talked about or insinuated for many, many years now that they learn to let the game come to them. They find a pace. They're trying to manage an 82-game season. It's part of the reason they wanted to reduce the, the back-to-backs and stretch the season out a little bit is all of this. And I think that that's probably a very valid point. He doesn't know how to turn it on and turn it off at the right points in the game. He's just 100% on like five cups of Java every time he gets on the floor, right? And Or more, and sometimes even in the hotel room he's still on, right? So maybe I, I think there's – very valid point that you're making there. And it also probably is the reason he can't be the number one guard on any team uh, because he'll wear himself out by the time he gets to the fourth quarter. One of the reasons I think it works that he doesn't start, but then he finishes the game is precisely what you just said. And we've seen him always be an excellent closer because he's always got that extra motor, but maybe it does wear him down also over the course of the season. And that that has to be, a concern and no better opportunity for us to have noticed that than for this kid to get three to four. What was it? It was almost four weeks, wasn't it? Truthfully, almost four weeks. Yeah, almost. Yeah. So almost about. a month break in the middle of the year, none of which had an impact on his conditioning other than he wasn't getting regular run. And then he comes out and he's clearly, you know, just a lot more athletic than we had noticed maybe in the middle doldrums of the year. So I think there's I think there's a lot to to be said. Now, we still have the issue with the second unit scoring though. So this is still an issue for the team and Sean Grandy was on a surprise episode of the new Celtics beat with Adam Kaufman and formerly of Celtics at 7 everybody will remember that from Saturday mornings and Sean says he doesn't think Hayward's coming back. And, you know, as we noted at the beginning of the season, I really felt like the bench scoring would be 
not an issue mitigated by the fact that you were going to have somebody like Gordon who could come back out onto the floor, stagger the minutes between him, Kyrie, and Horford, and be okay. But Sean doesn't think he's coming back. So you and I have been, as much as we have always unwaveringly supported Marcus Smart, after about four weeks post-injury, you and I have been unwavering in our expectation that he would come back and at least provide some minutes. I And I would say that right now, Yes, the the trend lines seem to be very much um, skeptical of of that you know pursuit. I think a month ago, maybe I might have you know I think I was feeling pretty good about that prediction. Of course, there's the whole 323 uh, comment on Instagram that that Kyrie put on Gordon's Insta account where he said you know 323, and the idea being like, okay, that's the, that's the date you're coming back. Um, uh, you know, and the other piece of this is that, you know, what Brad Stevens talked about is that, you know, somehow Gordon needs to go from, he's on this alter G uh, machine, which basically kind of, you know, you're, it reduces the gravitational forces on your body. So that way, w- though you're running, uh, you're not using your full body weight. So, uh, it yeah, can reduce like 40% that. of his body weight was being put on or something like that. And he'll travel with the team once he can actually jump and run without. Right. You know, at, without any assistance, essentially. Right. So, and they said he's, he's 60 right now. So he's got to get to 100. Um, oh, he's at 60. It was 40% of the load was reduced. That's what it is. Okay. Yeah. So, um, okay. So we sit here about a month. We're recording this on the 25th of, of, of February. And there's a month to get from that point. Now, the question is, what's the next step once he's running, jumping at full height? You know, like at what point beyond that do you need to be game ready? You know, and I think that's the question to me is like, okay, how do you, how do you go from 60 to 100? And then how many mark, how many posts are there between 100 and okay, go play NBA basketball? I don't know the answer. You know, and I think if he was at a hundred now, it's a hundred percent limited minutes a month from now, growing into I, April. And I think by the time the postseason rolls around, they're still limiting his minutes, maybe to twenty to twenty-five, but he can play. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think you know, Paul George comes back from actually a worse injury than this. Uh, than what Gord Hayward went through, and he played nine games that season. Yes, admittedly, it was earlier in the off season. Um, but I, I still, I, I know, I know, you know, I think they're just trying to pull those, those expectations back. I think that's the message they're sending out. I just don't believe Sean's, Sean's close play. to that messaging too, you know, so. Of course he is. You know, I yes. think, uh, we love I think, you, Sean. Yep. I, and I, and absolutely. But at the same time, you know, you gotta sing, I, I think you gotta sing the, sing the company line. Or so to speak, the company line. <laughs> yeah, I and I don't. Really but it's probably it's for the it's for Hayward's and the fans' benefit. This team is still right. really solid. Half game out of first behind Toronto, yeah. right? Toronto lost a game at least one. I, I didn't look at their record, but I know they've lost at least one game since the All Star break. While the Celtics have won two, so the Celtics are one one game ahead and two games behind Toronto, and you still have to like their ch- chances. They're healthy. You know, we see the performance of somebody like Jalen Brown, who just continues to grow throughout this season. We'll talk about him in just a second. 
But not only does his performance, does not only does he continue to grow, but Jason Tatum seems to find his uh, stroke at least in the first couple of games back from the All Star break after being a little. I don't know, a little rusty there for a good long stretch. Would be nice to see him come back. But before we get into that, listen up, Hoops fans. Basketball season, well, the All-Star break is behind us. Your favorite hardwood heroes are battling for playoff position. It's time for you to put your fantasy knowledge to the test to win huge cash prizes every night playing one-day fantasy basketball at DraftKings.com. At DraftKings, there are so many ways to play. Choose from public contests with huge cash prizes or private contests where you can compete against your friends. They've even got beginner and casual contests where you'll play against people of a similar skill level. The best part, you get to draft a new team each day, and drafting a team is arguably the best part of fantasy. The only thing that's better is winning cash doing it. Just ask Dan from St. Louis or Jeremy from Austin. They both turned a $3 entry into a 1000 bucks. Huge cash prizes and bragging rights await only at DraftKings. Use the code CLNS at DraftKings.com free with your first deposit for your share of $10,000 in total prizes tonight. So don't wait. Use code CLNS at DraftKings.com now. Choose your lineup and you can cash in tonight. Again, that's code CLNS only at DraftKings.com. The game inside the game. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. So, John, we really haven't pumped up. Boy, I just cracked like a high school kid. We really haven't pumped up <laughs> Jalen Brown th- the proper way this season. I mean, if you really think about the oh, hype geez. machine that I've been on, it's been quiet for a long oh, time, John. Come man. on, John. We We've go. talked more about Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart this season. We, you know, we obviously throw Kyrie Love because, I mean, look at what he did to Frankie. Poor Frankie. Frankie, Frankie on his ass. I mean, that crossover along the baseline just put him on the floor. Crazy. So we give Kyrie his love. But Jalen really hasn't gotten his full Justin Poole in them. Called it at number three. Wanted to draft him due this season. I mean, if you really are looking back over multiple episodes, I've been uncharacteristically quiet on this kid. And I'm not going to use the all-star break to pump him up. I'm just going to say... I love the sound when that three-point ball hits the net with no rim. It just drops in, and then when he does the flush. And that baseline move with literally no room to get around the defender and cut along the line, not to mention the oops from Kyrie, has just been awesome to watch the last couple of games. He, I would say um, I'm going to join you on the, on the pump and the – Pumping the the air into into the the balloon of of Jalen Brown, he, he has he's had a really great run. I thought even before the break, not so much the last two games, but the the week before that, um, he has he has added some playmaking to what he does. Um, I mean, he, you know, I think he took a little bit of that on uh, when Smart's absence is kind of being a secondary or third maybe um tertiary perhaps playmaker but but he's joining that that ranks um he's not at that level i mean i don't I, i'm not saying he's a smart level or, or a Kyrie level or 
God forbid, even a, a Horford level guy in terms of creating plays for teammates, but he's starting, things are starting to click for him. Uh, the one thing I would say for him has been consistency. That's where I'm kind of on the Jalen Brown thing. So um, level, so level with yeah. incremental steps being built. I mean, remember, there was still a lot of out of control drives to the basket where he didn't know what he was going to do with the ball when he got there at the beginning of the year. But I'd say over the last 45 to 60 days, that has virtually vanished. Yeah, I, I think, I, yeah, I agree. I think the, the out of control, I would say the week before All-Star game, we saw some of that, but maybe that was just a feature of everyone being tired and nobody running the way it needed to. I, I think in terms of production is what I'm looking for. It's like, when can they get to the point where they can count on those 15 to 20 points a game from, from Jalen Brown? That's the point where I'm, I'm looking for that. And if he can fill that role, then the, the backslide that we've seen from, from Tatum, which is, you know, a, a different issue entirely, but you're less concerned about Tatum's inability to kind of keep shooting at the same pace he was early on. If we can get to a point where Brown is just solid there as that third score, sometimes the second score, uh, I think that really helps, you know, kind of level things out a bit for this team. He's is not he the guy be... we need to do the bench? No, I was just going to say, I do not think that's the role. I think he needs to stay where he is right now. Keep him. I don't think he's the type of scorer, unlike Tatum, that goes and gets his buckets. But I think as that, as the guy playing with right now, playing with Irving, playing with Horford, I think that's the best place for him to kind of get his, make his mark. I think Tatum is a different animal. And I think that's why we were looking at that early on. But unfortunately, I think we're going to have to look at that scoring come from Greg Monroe, coming from Marcus Smart, creating opportunities for other guys. And, you know, I think probably just mixing Oof. and matching some of these Oof. guys. I think it's going to be a tough Oof. run. That's, That's so harsh. Well, I mean, got Monroe five can't even play defense. So then you're net negative. You're, you're, you're net zero. Yeah. You're, you're, you're not running out of scoring, but you're also not able to make the stops. So it's, it's a tough battle there trying to get that groove for that second unit. I, I agree. I, I would have hoped that Tatum would have grown into that. And instead, I think he hit the rookie wall. I, it does seem like he may be coming out of it, but I would love, I would absolutely love to see um, Jalen Brown be able to take on that second unit role, but it may be another year yet. Yeah, I think this is a big summer for Jalen. I think he made some great strides this summer. If you can see that kind of positive growth year over year and he's kind of adding those extra things i think that'd be huge for him one thing that's interesting to me is the bounce it seems he's gotten out of the all-star game and we just talked about how much it doesn't matter and how stupid it is i really believe some of that psychologically for him it really gave him a boost these first two games back and i wonder you know I wonder if that is a, is a, is a feature for him. I mean, certainly the best game of the year, I think, from him is that, that Golden State game after the past him, his best friend, um, you know, and, and the focus and the energy and, you know, to me, it, it unlocks things within him and what he's capable of. So I wonder if, you know, some of this is, is a mentality and, and trying to do those things. He has the talent. Lord knows he has the talent. But I wonder if it's just a question of locking that in, adding a few more things this summer, and then coming back with a vengeance next year. 
Yeah, for somebody who is so even keeled, it is pretty clear that there are certain moments that build up and then come out on the court, which is good because that that's somebody that you can trust long term. As that torch gets passed to him and he becomes the Celtics, you know, all-star player who's generating the offense, locking down the defense, winning games for them night in and night out. He's the go-to player. You want him to be able to keep his emotions in check enough to not lose his head on the floor and at the same time be able to use that as motivation and energy to lift him up and help him dominate games. And you bring up a that Golden State game. That's a great uh, example of that. And I think, yeah, probably that all-star break gave him a little bit of that I've arrived kind of confidence being around all of those players. I think he wants to go as an actual all-star uh, next year. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure that that will happen a hundred percent. You know, he plays a position. It's kind of tough for him to, to land that spot, but I do think that that's, you know, the next goal. He was there as the rookie. He's there as the sophomore. Now he's got to go as the pro or he's not getting in, uh, not getting into the, into the festivities, so to speak. So it'll be interesting to see. I also think some of the political stuff has been motivating him lately, John. Honestly, you know, he's been vocal about certain comments that were made. Um, you know, telling players to, to just shut up and play basketball. And I think that that kind of stuff motivates him to go out and play well, too. And I think he handled that like a pro. He's very mature for a young player. He is very, he's very mature, but he, but he's still 21, you know, so there's, he just, there's room to grow. There's nothing wrong with that, you know, I, I don't think he's, um, I, in fact, I think, as you said, he is very mature. I think it, the maturity in his game, I think, is is the question of of understanding the night to night drag, you know, drags of it, and trying to be up for every one of those eighty two. I mean, stars don't do it. We knew that. We know that. But it's the, it's the question when you go from being, um, you know, a good player who shows up occasionally um, to being a, a really really good player who's who's a reliable player for your team. You know, one of the biggest questions within the Rondo era is that, oh, well, when you play, you know, the, the nationally televised games, you know you're going to get, you know, TV Rondo. And, you know, I think ultimately it worked against him. You TV know? Rondo. And you knew that was, was going to come his way. Yeah. You, you can't have that. You can't have that when you're Jalen Brown and, and you're the third pick. And I think they're going to rely upon him. It could be relying upon him greatly here as they go into the uh, the playoffs. All right, so what's your prediction on Tatum? Do you think he's fully going to come out of this little rookie wall slump that he hit? I mean, it seems like he's got plenty of hustle. Seemed like the form and just accuracy of a shot seems to have come back. Do you think he's going to snap out of it and we're going to see first third of the year Jason instead of middle third of the year Jason down the stretch here? Let's cut him in half. We're going to cut cut him in half. No, I'm just kidding. I, I think I think we're gonna get a little bit of both, honestly. I think that the the wall is gonna is real. Um I think the I think the pinky injury is real, uh, but I think it's gonna get better. Um I think there's gonna be nights when I'm he's just gonna realize he's played a hundred games of basketball in a given year and his body and is just beat. But I think more importantly, I think he's going to be um I think he's gonna be better prepared for it with this break. So I think I think we'll see somewhere in between. He's not gonna be historically hot shooting uh Jason Tatum like we saw the first 
two and a half months of the year. But he's not going to shoot as badly. He's not going to turn the ball over as much. Um, I, I think we're going to get something in between. And, and you know, it may be a more of a twelve point a game score, or or but I think the potential for twenty twenty five points from game to game. You know, I, I think that we're going to see probably more inconsistency from Jason Tatum uh, over the next you know month or two, or, or I guess two or three now as we're looking to playoffs. And I think that's okay because once Gordon Hayward comes back, that'll fill the void. Yeah, I just want to see super aggr- nice slip in there. I like yeah, there you go. There. <laughs> I want to see super aggressive Jason Tatum. That's what I want to see. I want to. I want him to be attacking at the rim. I want to see that great crossover handle. Whatever he does to set up, he's got a few different moves to set up his really strong finishes around the rim. Uh, I just think his length is so awesome. I, w- I want to see him assert himself more in that regard. And I definitely want to see him use that to set up that elbow jumper that's so reminiscent of Paul Pierce. I just like to see that happen more on a night in and a night out basis. It seemed like, especially leading into the all-star break, that he was just kind of blending into the offense instead of being a threat on offense. And that has everything to do with being taking an aggressive or assertive nature towards the game. And I, I think it's in there still, but I think it needs to be popped back out. Maybe somebody maybe somebody comes up and, and headbutts him a few times in the middle of a game or whatever it takes to maybe he needs five cups of Java with Marcus Smart. Whatever it's gonna take to get that, you know, live wire side of him to come out on a regular basis. I'd actually be willing to take more of the mistakes um, as a consequence for that increased aggressiveness. Because what I don't want to see is what we saw a lot of during that difficult stretch. And we can kind of maybe make this our final topic as we are approaching the end. But just Kyrie having to do everything in the fourth quarter. It isn't going to work. It can't work. It is part of what takes them out of everything that they do so well. It was what we saw from Isaiah Thomas. You and I have talked about this. It can't happen. There has to be other players on this team that they can go to at least early in the fourth quarter to share some of that responsibility. Otherwise, it just becomes too predictable. Well, and I, it seems unlikely, but there are three days left between now and the, the trade deadline. The Celtics do play Memphis one last time. I'm not sure it makes a difference, but sometimes teams don't like to deal with another team or, or, or cut somebody or whatever until after they played them. There's a possibility that Memphis isn't going to do anything and let Tyreek go to Boston until, you know, they actually play the game. It seems unlikely, but I'm going to throw it out there and, and maybe it means something. Maybe it doesn't. I can look like a genius on Sunday, if, next Sunday, if that's the case. But I, no, I think you're right. I, I think they, that's, that's their Achilles heel. It's going to be their Achilles heel. Um, they're not gonna. They're gonna have some struggles there in that second unit, and, and, and unless they're able to get Hayward back and have him play a something of a scoring role in that second group, it's gonna be it's gonna be a challenge for them. Even if he's just a spot up shooter, that would do wonders for them. Uh, you know, they've got to find. And to your other point, though, they've got to find a way to move the ball. The ball is not moving well enough. Uh, Smart will help with that with his return. Uh, Horford's rejuvenation you know, with some time off that will help. But I feel like there's just the ball doesn't move well enough with this team. And until they kind of figure that out, uh, I think it's it's their offense is going to have some struggles. And a lot, even more, is going to be pressed on the defense than really they need to be. So 
Daniel Tice earned his way into the starting lineup. Winds up draining some threes. We saw that creeping out of his game, uh, I would say, in January especially. And then first game back from the All-Star break against the De- the bad boys, not really, but the Detroit Pistons. And he plays amazingly. That's a threat to Marcus Morris being able to be in the starting lineup. You'd love Marcus Morris to be that second unit scoring guy. But here's another thought. Do you think Jason Tatum is 100% solid in that starting lineup? Or do you think there's a chance that Morris can weave his way in there and they try Jason with that second unit? Or do you think that they're too concerned that that will shake his confidence? I think, I think the, I think that la- the latter is the case. I, I don't think that, um, I, I think that there's a way in which Tatum could fall out of the starting lineup. I think it's probably more reliant upon his inability to do the, the basic things. And I, I, I don't see that as likely, but it's possible. And, uh, they're going to have to find a way to, to shake things up. I just don't know that putting Tatum into that second unit at this point, uh, is, is gonna be heading the right direction. You know, of course we were talking about that and championing that in the early part of the year. It seemed like he, that was the natural development, but the way that Tatum's game has kind of backslid really since the start of January just leads me to, to believe that it just makes more sense to, to keep him where he is, try to find some other ways to try to find offense. And really I'm looking at Hayward. Hayward's the guy I think that, that, that really is the only way they unlock that second group. Yeah, we've talked about that. What do you think of Tyson, the starting lineup, even when Aaron Baines comes back? I mean, he's a pretty solid defender. He does like to move the ball around. I love Baines for his strength, and I think it fits maybe more on that starting unit than it does in the backup lineup, but especially if you're looking at Monroe and Baines, that's that's a lot of clogginess, I would say, for that second unit versus Tyson Monroe playing side-by-side side with the second unit. But what do you think of Tyson out there with the starters? Do you think it'll stick? I, I think it could. Baines has not looked good for a while, I don't think. And, and consistently, the, the Baines we saw in the early part of the year – um, has been, has not made his reappearance. I mean, he's, he's, just, he's good at what he does, rebounder, you know, rim defender. Uh, I mean, he's, he does a fine job for this team and he's valuable next to Al Horford, but he has struggled, I believe, since, you know, really over that same, over same period of time, starting in January. And, and I don't know if it's the schedule or what it is, but, as when everyone else has started to struggle, so has he. So I don't think it's a bad thing to to give Tyson nod there. He's played well of late. Give him that shot. Maybe Baines just needs more time, and he'll come back rejuvenated as Smart did, and he'll be ready to 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 go back to his regular self. But yeah, I, I've been really disappointed with Baines of late. I'm hoping Tice is an answer. I've you know I've heard a lot on the the Chris Mannix pod on on Yahoo. He's been talking about how well they're afraid of losing Baines, and, and that's a concern. If psychologically, you know, the addition of Monroe and moving Tyson puts Baines into a spot where he's not able to be who he can be. But I think that that's. Baines has got to take some responsibility for his game, and his game has not played been well. It's not been productive of late to the same way he had earlier in the year. So. We'll see. We'll see if that if that ends up. But I'm I'm all on board with it, and I think Monroe needs more time. Man, that guy can score. He's got touch. He can rebound. 
I wish he had a little bit better you know, sense of things on the defensive end, um, but maybe that will improve. Let's see. I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not giving up hope on on Greg Monroe. No, no, it's early. I just I I've given up hope on. I don't think defensively we're gonna see a ton. I think offensively he can become more assertive and more confident in his role, and maybe that helps out that second unit. I also think Aaron Baines. There's probably some sort of an injury. I mean, I know there was an injury recently. It was kind of awkward mm. how severe it wound up becoming, but I think there's been an injury issue. Probably various minor ailments for several months now just based on the way he started the year and um, he's such a nice mid-range shooter and even that wasn't really falling we've only got about two minutes left here in the broadcast but I do want to mention uh, as we were preparing to record the show that longtime NBA agent uh, and I, I've actually never heard his last name said so I'm assuming it's Dan Fagan but he's a graduate of Yale Law School he got into some sort of a wreck in Aspen, Colorado, bumping up against uh, a bus or getting sideswiped or hit by a bus, something in his SUV, and unfortunately passed away. He was Antoine Walker's agent, as you and I talked about, John. He also represented yep. DeMarcus Cousins, Monte Ellis, Chris Humphreys, among others. But really an awkward year for him, having helped build ISC, the Independent Sports and Entertainment uh, agency, and then they fired him. He files this weird countersuit uh, saying basically that they had an elaborate plan to set him up, defame him, and take his his clients. And so what a what an awkward year. What sad news for the NBA. I, I, it seems, and again, I don't know, not being an insider, but looking at the response on Twitter, it seems like he was a very well-liked, uh, agent right up until there was uh, obviously this controversy over the last 12 months. Yeah, you know, Fagan is, is one of the, I, if not the most powerful agent, certainly in the top two or three in terms of most powerful agents in the NBA over the last 15, 20 years. And, yeah, you know, his his fingerprints are all over a lot of the biggest deals that have happened, um, will happen, Um you know, if there's anybody who owes him a debt of gratitude, it's Chandler Parsons, who has gotten him paid over and over and over again. But yeah, there's, you know, Fagan was involved with, uh, DeAndre Jordan and some of that nonsense with, with Cuban. And I mean, there's, there's a, there's a lot of tales there, I think, to be, to be written about, uh, Dan Fagan's involvement in the NBA and, uh, all that and, and certainly his, his passing is sad, but also you can also see that there's a lot of reporters, um, who were tweeting, you know, their condolences. Obviously they were quite close to Dan Fagan and, um, you could certainly read between the lines the, the, the value that he had in, in being in contact with, uh, the press. So, um, rest in peace, certainly, uh, you know, and, and certainly, um, sad to see, but, um, yeah. Hmm. Yep. Life goes well, on. Life does go on and uh just a tragic way for uh for Dan to to pass, you know, kind of middle of the day, very awkward scenario, very unfortunate. So everybody yes. out there in the NBA family, anybody who did 
No, Dan. Well, our condolences to you. That's going to do it for this week's show. The broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media Mobile app. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. And remember, you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. For staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and my co-host, John Duke. I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live.